Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, you've had a fantastic idea. You've spotted a pain point, you've figured out a problem, or you've actually got something that you believe people will desire. But the problem with that is it's just an idea. And especially if you are working another job, if you're a bit of a sidepreneur, if this is something that you're running alongside something else, how do you know how to turn that idea into a startup? More importantly, how do you know when to quit your job? How do you know what to do first, what to expect? How do you go about fundraising and bootstrapping this thing? And that is the issue that we're going to define, challenge and conquer today. How to turn your idea into a startup. And joining me today is someone that has done just this. Someone who spotted a huge problem with the way that people were able to research stocks and shares and actually make investment choices. So what did he do? He created something to help himself and help everyone else. So it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to the show the founder of Simply Wall Street, Al Bentley. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, very good. Great to have. Um, great to be here, Mark. Excellent stuff. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And just tell us a little bit about Simply Wall Street because you you genuinely did find a problem with something and you actually solved it, didn't you? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I can give you the, the the abridged story if you like. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I used to be, um, a naval architect. I used to, you know, um, work offshore and, and design, design boats and stuff like that. Um, and exactly as you say, I, I took, taught myself to invest and I found it extremely frustrating, basically a horrendous experience. Um, and I was just like, I was like, there must be a better way. <laughs> uh, and it's crazy because a lot of people, when they look at simply wall street, you know, they, they think it just kind of happened and just started but in reality I was working on it for two years uh, exactly as you mentioned in your intro as a as a side kind of a side thing um, and it, it was one of the best things you know to actually have one of those side projects actually become what you always hoped it would um, and uh, I mean I can I can talk about that for ages if you want <laughs> well just tell us a little bit about actually what simply Wall Street does because it is a very intriguing idea just give people a bit of a rundown on that one yeah, so what we what we do is um, we believe that um, self-directed investing uh, doesn't actually need to be that difficult, um, it, it, especially when you're talking for the long term, um, which is what we're all about. Um, and so what we do is we make investing easy, and we do that through the use of um, visualization and infographics. So if you don't know what an infographic is, um, it's basically a way of uh, representing something that's usually complex in a, in a kind of visual, easy to understand way. Um, and so what, what our um, website does is it produces infographics on uh, 10,000 stocks every day. You can choose any company you want uh, and you can go and find a really um, kind of, I call it you know, a, a holistic report on that company. Uh, and really get an understanding of uh, should you you know should you consider it as an investment? Um, we don't tell you what to do. It's still on your still on the user to make the decision. 
Um, but the idea being that we just give you a really easy way to digest that, that information. Um, and then what we also do is we, if you like that stock, you can then add it to a portfolio and we then also visualize your portfolio for you. So trying to help you understand, you know, what's going on with your portfolio, how can you improve it? Um, and I guess from a high level, you know, what we aim to do is, is to turn people into better investors, um, into the kind of investors that they know they should be, but they often end up uh, not being. That's a really interesting problem that you're solving there then, because you're taking something that is very, very complex and you're making it easily represented on screen and you're making it digestible for people that otherwise, you know, maybe a little scared off by that. So when you think back to right back in the, the early days when you had the idea, what was that journey like? How did you go about figuring out, actually, is this a viable thing that we can do? Or what, what were some of the first steps that you took? Yeah, well, so I guess the, the, the important um, sort of thing to realize is that initially I probably didn't really understand, well, I didn't understand the problem uh, as I do now. Um, the initial problem I started trying to solve was really focused around helping people research investments, whereas in reality, that's only part of the problem. You know, the problem is actually the whole general experience of investing is basically terrible. <laughs> so um, so it took me a while of, of playing around in that space to realize I was playing in the wrong part. Actually, a big part of what helped me make that realization was doing what's called a, a startup weekend. And these are kind of weekend events where you, you um, kind of, you, they say you start a business in a weekend. You don't really start a business in a weekend, but you essentially go through the process of it and you get challenged heavily on your ideas. Um, so that was, that was actually a pretty key kind of learning uh, step for me. That's very interesting. So did that help you validate the entire idea and what did it, what did it feel like to actually make that shift to make that pivot into something new then? What was, what was the kind of struggle that you went through with that internally? I wouldn't say it, it helped me validate it. It probably helped me realize that it wasn't validated and I need to do more work on it. Um, so there was a bit of, there was certainly a pivot. It was a, certainly a realization that kind of, you know, oh my God, um, there's this massive problem out here and you just, you really start to get a, a handle on what, what's going on. Um, but the, the main learning from that weekend was, was that it was how important validation is. A lot of people, um, get a bit, they, they think, oh, you know, um, investors want to see validation or, you know, I've got to go validate it. They think of it as sort of this kind of like chore that then that oh you know it's a bit annoying. I've got my idea and I haven't validated it yet. Validation is the single most important thing you need to do, and, and the reason for that is, is until you validated it, you're, you're potentially wasting your own time, and you need to find a way to validate it that makes you comfortable. Don't kid yourself just because your friend said, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea. You should do it." That is not validation. That's one of the biggest problems I think so many of us face in the early days insofar as people with the best intentions will tell you it's a great idea and you do need to step out of that comfort zone, don't you, and move into somewhere where you're going to be challenged, you know, these startup weekends, accelerator programs, whatever that might be. They're there to push you out, they're there to really challenge the ideas and when, when you were faced with that decision, all right, okay, so I need to pivot, I need to shift and change. How did you go about that? What were some of the actions that you took to reaffirm this new direction? Um, I, I guess it was, it was really, I, I, what I wanted to do personally is I wanted, 
I was kind of looking for a sign or looking for some kind of clear proof that, um, that, that, that this is worth me spending my time on. Um, and I kind of broke that down into a bunch of different bits. So I think often the validation doesn't have to be in your idea as a whole. You can actually do validate parts of it, yeah? Um, so one example was I, I, I really wanted to be convinced about the hypothesis that I had, which was that visualization of financial data would make it easier for people to invest. And so just to test that alone, I actually ended up building this, actually it was super weird, I've still got it somewhere, <laughs> this kind of weird system where it, um, it showed a mock-up of how I thought the data could be presented and then next to it, uh, how it's presented at the moment. And then I, I think I sent that out to like two or 300 people and then there was a form they had to fill out. It actually took them like half an hour. It's quite surprising anyone bothered to do it. Um, and then, and so I used that as a way of, of a bit of learning, but most importantly, trying to make sure it was clear that visualizing stocks as infographics was actually something that people wanted. So that's that part. The other part is more around the problem as a whole, like do, do people actually want to invest? Is there actually a problem around um, investment being difficult? Why is it difficult? And that kind of thing. So the way I kind of validated that was um, there's quite a few investment conferences um, and, and thing, events like that that you can go to. And they're a great way to meet like genuine people who most importantly you have no connection with uh, and you can really get an understanding of what's going on in their head. Like, why are they at this conference? Like, what do they want to get out of investing? Those kind of things. I like the idea of of just putting yourself out there. I mean, so many people talk about going to conferences and so on, but I don't think many people, I don't think many of us really look at it from that perspective to go away and actually not have any connections to get some really objective feedback on that. So let's just move that a little step further forward then. So you'd realize that this was a great idea. You'd realize that actually you could move it forward. You mentioned that you were doing this kind of on the side at this point. How did you manage that? What was the timing like? What were some of the struggles that you faced doing that? Um, I think I've always been someone that's done those kind of projects. So it might not be, you know, a business or it might not be, um, you know, it might be, it might, it's, I've always been someone that's, been very proactive in my spare time. I think if you're not someone that's that naturally, I think you're really, really going to struggle <laughs> to do, uh, to try and do like a, a, a business as a side project. Um, I think a lot of people have so many time commitments in their life that they just don't see how it's physically possible to do these things. If, if you're really serious about getting into the space and, 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 and um, you know, testing a business idea, or learning about doing this part, you're probably going to have to sacrifice some parts of your time. Uh, you know, you probably need at least three evenings a week and probably a day on the weekend to do it properly. Otherwise, you're just not going to get anything done. Um, I think it's, you just got to be practical about it. Um, the other area that I'll be honest with you is really powerful, and a lot of people wouldn't want to talk about this, but if you're working in a job that is probably too easy, if you do your job really fast, you can probably do a lot of the work at work. I think we've all been there and done that. That certainly <laughs> it harks back to my time doing doing the kind of web work. And you know, when we started the agency, it was, well, wait a minute, this is only going to take me two hours, but I'm here for eight, so this is kind of nice. 
it was, uh, yeah, it's interesting because you find yourself becoming, um, what's the word? You kind of become pretty ruthless with your time. You find the best way of doing the job that is really easy to the best of your ability very, very quickly. So you actually learn quite a lot of time management techniques as well there, don't you? Which is a really weird byproduct of, of doing it. Exactly, exactly. It's actually the best thing because you probably find before doing this, you are one of, you know, you, you'd be surprised how you can fill your day with essentially nothingness if, you know, if, you're, if you're not being challenged at work. But as soon as you start challenging yourself, you'll find that exactly like you said, Mark, you know, you can, you can just smash out the work that you need to do in the first two hours and then you, and then you kind of free. I mean, obviously it depends on, on, on your job, but you know, it, it gives you a much bigger drive and you, you improve your time management and most importantly, you have incredibly far more motivated. Absolutely. You just find yourself wanting to do the right kind of work, which is quite interesting. So how did you, when you were working the three, four nights a week, how did you define exactly what to do? What was your process for figuring out what was important to the new business? Yeah, so that's really, that's actually the tough part because, and that's something you're going to have to get used to doing because most people are so used to having their goals set by their bosses or, you know, someone else, and they don't realize that the goal setting is the hardest part. Um, now I, I think, um, I think one of the best things you can do in this instance, especially when you're starting out is to find someone to share the experience with, uh, doesn't necessarily mean they have to be a, a, a you know, a, a partner or a co-founder or any of that stuff. They could maybe be doing a completely separate project or maybe they could be a mentor, but I think having someone else to bounce ideas off and say, okay, I want to do this next. And they're like, well, why, why are you doing that? Uh, is, is really good. It also it creates a level of accountability as well. You say, oh, I'm going to do this by next week. And then, you know, you, you catch up and they'll be like, have you done it? No. So I think that's probably the, probably one of the best solutions. Um, again, it's all about drive and, and being motivated. And I don't, if you fundamentally, if you're having a problem with that, you're going to have, you're going to have much bigger problems. Yeah, um, the accountability is something that I think we all struggle with. You know, w when we think about goal setting, you're right, because if you get into your own business, you can very easily fritter away the day doing absolutely nothing and just feeling like you're being productive because you're replying to emails and you're doing whatever. And it's not, that's not the right thing to do. So I, I think that's a very interesting comment that you make because probably all of us can identify that in some way. So let's just shift the gear into actually getting this out there then. So let's talk about the launch. When you got to a point where you felt you could actually get this into the public eye. What did the product look like? What were some of your reservations and how did you go about actually getting it out there? Um, so I guess, you know, in a, in a weird way, there, there, obviously there was a, like a formal launch, but that launch actually only happened four months after we started doing an accelerator program. We had some investment. We actually, you know, built the pro kind of the proper version one, I guess you could call it. But in a way, there was actually a bunch of other launches before that of, of different MV, what's called an MVP or minimum viable product. So I actually built an app before that that I'd launched, again, more around testing, more around um, trying to prove up certain, these certain things that I really wanted to be sure, you know, the problem existed and all this kind of stuff. I think in terms of actually going out and building, which I think is a question you're you're, you're asking Mark. Um, I think the, the most important thing is probably to work out what you're going to build, why, you, why and why you're building it. I think a lot of people get obsessed with building apps and building websites. And I think that's often not the right thing 
to do. Um, if you are going to go out and build it, um, you need to be really smart about how you do it. If you are someone who's proactive, good at maths, uh, you know, with technical background, I'd highly, highly recommend trying to do it yourself. I don't think enough people would attempt to do that. Uh, if you definitely don't think you can do that, then you better go find a good friend who can. <laughs> uh, I certainly would never recommend paying, uh, a, you know, an expensive agency or something. I wouldn't even entertain that thought. That's very interesting then. And how how do you how do you make sure that it's at the standards that it needs to be at to get that first first impression buying them? Because that that's quite a balancing act, I would imagine. How did you guys manage that? Well, that's an interesting thing. I think a lot of people will um they will use the, that what you just mentioned, Mark, that whole, oh my god, you know, it's gotta have a great first impression. I mean, I've heard people say to me, you know, this app really needs to have a great UX because that's what's people, that's what's going to make people use it. And I, no one uses an app just because of the UX. Well, they might use it for a day, but then they'll stop using it. So I think you'd be surprised that you need to focus on the problem you're solving uh, and are you actually providing a solution to that problem rather than having a super polished app. Um, but even saying that nowadays, it's, it's not that difficult to, to create an app or website or whatever you're, whatever you're doing maybe it's not even online, that can be polished to a level that's acceptable. Because um, you've got to remember the first people that are going to be using your product are going to be people that are desperately in need of it, and so they're probably not going to be too bothered about about that kind of stuff. And I believe that's the, important of the um, importance of the MVP. You know, you've got to, when you're getting through startup phase and when you get into the launch, you know, even if you're launching a beta and you get into a version 0.5 or 0.6 and you're putting that out there, you know, you've got to focus directly on the problem that you're solving because people do really get hung up on, like you said, a solid UX. And as long as the UX is passable and it's good enough that someone intuitively can navigate to the solution to their problem, that's surely good enough, isn't it? Yeah, I, I completely, yeah, completely agree. And I think um, the other thing you've got to be very, very careful of is uh, building things and uh, paying someone else to build things. It's, it comes back to that bit we mentioned earlier. It, it feels like you're doing something. It feels like you're, you know, oh, yeah, we're, we're building something. It's, it's happening. It's happening. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. Um, so I think, yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest pitfall that a lot of people start to, start to fall into. Um, but, you know, saying that sometimes that's the mistake that people need to make to learn, learn it the hard way. Well, that's right. I mean, you don't you don't necessarily know what you don't know until you've experienced doing it wrong. So I, I see that I see that point completely. So Al, let's just shift a gear again into the actionable takeaways section of the episode because you know there are so many people that have these ideas. There are so many people that are just you know that they leave the shower to go and register a domain name because they've had a, what they believe is the next <laughs> world breaking idea. We've all we've all done that. Um, so let's talk about action. So. People that have ideas. Let's talk about your first actionable tip for actually taking that idea and making that into a startup. Okay, so uh, it's not necessarily just, I'll go into the tip in a second, but first of all, I, I believe it's extremely important to not be scared about sharing your ideas. So don't go around trying to keep it shrouded in secrecy. It's the biggest waste of time. No one wants to copy your shit idea. Just, just deal with it. 
um, <laughs> and, and you'll go, you'll get far further um, by telling people about it than trying to hide it. Um, but yeah, so my first actionable tip would be all around um, validation. Um, you need to to be um, you need to be extremely confident that you have found first of all a genuine problem, um, a genuine problem with a big market, um, and then and that's the first thing. Don't necessarily worry about the solution yet. If you're jumping to the solution, you've probably already um, you probably haven't understood the problem. And I believe that you could spend a year, years just trying to get into this. Um, there's so much online about how to validate, how to test, how to kind of fake things to, to do tests. And that's the kind of area that you really need to be focusing on. And the cool thing about this area is that it's fun, doesn't cost anything, and you can break it down into short projects. So you can say, okay, I'm going to spend the next two weeks doing this little piece of validation. Um, so that would be my first actionable tip. Super stuff, yeah. I, I like that idea. I like your quote there about not necessarily understanding the problem enough if you've already thought of the solution. That's that's a very interesting point. Okay, super stuff. So let's move to actionable tip number two, sir. Okay, so I, we didn't touch on this too much uh, earlier, but my, my actual tip number two is, so you, you've, you've, you've got an idea, you think you've validated it, or at least you're comfortable enough to validate it that you now think, okay, I think this is actually seriously something that I want to commit some of my life to doing. Okay, uh, I think there's an important step that a lot of people uh, miss out on um, and, the, and maybe they don't quite understand, which I call preparing your life. Um, if you think that you found a great idea and you want to run with it, um, I, I think it's worth um, making changes in your life uh, or preparations in your life to make that move easier. And I think a lot of people who don't do that, they actually, when people hear about startups failing, often the startups don't fail because of the business or because of a mistake that the founders made. Often they fail purely because the founders' lives just can't handle it, either from purely a financial reason or maybe it's a commitment reason, um, all those kind of things. So when I say prep your life, I say these are my actionable tips. So first of all, start saving money. Start getting a cushion in your bank account. Um, you need to be good at saving money to be an entrepreneur, especially if you're going to be bootstrapping. Um, there's tons of stuff out, out there about how to save money, you know, and be aggressive, you know, moving like moving with your parents, you know, stop, you know, paying for expensive memberships and stuff. Um, the next thing I would probably do is also thinking from a job perspective, you're probably already in full time work. And if you really want to do a startup, my opinion is, is you better to try and put your job on hold and give the startup a solid six months of your life and give it a proper chance um, rather than trying to sort of do half and half three days a week and two days a week. That does, that means you'll be bad at your job and you'll be bad at your startup. So start to entertain this idea that you're probably going to quit your job and try and think about trying to do it in a way where it's low risk. Maybe it's a way that you, maybe you could agree with your employer that you could take a sabbatical, uh, all those kind of things. So for example, simply wall street, I actually, um, I was actually about, I was actually working part time and I had that all kind of lined up and that actually worked, that timing worked out really well for when I actually quit and did simply wall street full time. Um, so the, all this stuff is, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy for, 
or scary for people to think about doing. But if you're serious about it, then, you know, that's the way to do it. That's really good advice, really good advice. I mean, that tip breaks down in so many different ways. And the point that you made there about the startups failing much of the time because the, the, the founders' lives can't necessarily deal with it, that's a very interesting perspective. And is that something that you, you, you know, when you've been on the accelerator programs and so on, have you seen that happen in real life? Have you seen that go on actually around you? Oh, yes, um, definitely. Uh, so often a startup might fail also. Um, so th- those reasons I've, I've seen firsthand. And it's one of the embarrassing things, frankly, that a lot of people don't like to talk about in the startup space. But yeah, kind of one of the key things for a successful startup is probably founders that are in that position that I just mentioned. An, an ideal founder is someone that has a bit of a cash reserve, probably single, probably no major financial commitments, you know, those kind of things. It's not, it's not something that people like to talk about, but the fact is it's just, it's the truth. Um, and if, so if you can get your life as close to that as possible, you'll be in a great place. The other, the other area that a lot of startups fail that people don't talk about much is founder disagreements. It's very, very common. Um, you know, you, 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 you start off with this person that you probably maybe don't even know that well, or maybe they're a friend of yours, and then you're going to be thrown into working with them 24-7 and uh, everything changes. That's a great point. Fantastic point. Super stuff. So let's move into the third and final actionable tip, please, sir. Um, so my actual tip number three is, um, is do you need to actually build it? Um, and I guess it comes back to this piece of um, I think people often get too excited too early on and they think, oh, my God, I must build this app or I must build this website. Um, whereas in reality, you could probably uh, be actually far better if they didn't build it focused on um on doing something either you know and there's a book called lean startup which i'm I'm sure a lot of you readers will have heard of but very much all about um trying to replicate the solution but without actually building it yeah um so an example would be um there's a a really famous website called product hunt um which is a way for people to find out of new um you know, new new apps and products that just started as a simple email list, um, you know, and and you could build it in a day. You don't need, the fundamental solution is the same. People are discovering new products. They didn't need to go off and build a whole app. Um, so yeah, really consider. Well, sorry, my actual tip to be really clear is you probably don't need to build it. Yeah, I think that's really important. We've run betas ourselves where. You, you literally just build the email list up and you, you kind of validate the idea like that. You know, we've gone through ones ourselves where we actually get paying customers just on the back of an email list. And if those guys would pay for it, then of course there it is. And that's that's a great way to actually fundraise as well because, it, yes, it validates your idea, but it gets you some cash flow rolling as well so you can reinvest it. So I completely, mm. completely agree with that. I think that's a fantastic point. So. That's been such a good chat, Al. Thank you so much for that. The 30 minutes have just flown past. It's amazing how time just disappears when you're chatting about something so interesting. So thanks for doing that. And just before we wrap it, where is the best place for people to connect with you online, please, sir? Um, the best place where you can email me, uh, al at simplywallstreet.com. Um, and uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty prevalent online, so you have a problem finding me. Um, but yeah, the email's on the website. Just Google Simply Wall Street. Super stuff. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Mark.
always good. And guys, listen, if you've missed anything that I'll mention, if you want a recap of anything at all from this chat, head over to excellence-expected.com, where as ever, there's a world of small business resources. There's more chats with startup founders. So if you are wanting to kick something off on your own, dig in, listen to Al's interview back and check out some of the other episodes as well, because there's some really, really fantastic content there. And whilst you're over there, don't forget, you can grab your free copy of the Essential 14-Day Guide to Cutting Your Working Hours and Increasing Your Impact. Thanks once again for listening, guys. And don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adios. Adios.